I'm going to be a great fighter, but I'm also going to tell my kids I love them 50 times a day. I'm going to kiss my wife all the time. I'm going to, you know, that it's actually probably the coolest, most empowering masculine thing you can do to be a total badass, but also be really vulnerable and be able to cry and be able to be sensitive that like, that's the superpower, you know, is to be all of the things, not just pick one. Welcome to the Limitless Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Mason. The time is now for us to break free of conditioned habits, think for ourselves, and realize our limitless nature. We will explore talks on meditation, creativity, wellness, spirituality, and storytelling. You're in for a treat because we're peeling back the layers and diving deep. I'll be having diverse voices from all different creative backgrounds and points of view on to discuss what makes their soul limitless. Plug in and tune out the outside world as we go on this journey together. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Limitless Soul Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Mason. So happy you are here with me today. If you are new, welcome to this space. And if you've been joining me for the long haul, I'm so happy you're back. This absolutely could not happen without you. And I am thrilled that you have given me so much feedback and given me all of your requests and what you want to hear about on this podcast. And I am here to deliver. So today I have on a new guest. His name is Drew McManus. He is the front man for the band Sat Song, one of my personal favorite bands to listen to and jam out to. I love singing all the words. I'm a big time lyric fan and the words that they incorporate into these songs are so soulful. They will definitely leave you touched and moved and feel expanded. And they just dropped a new single called All Right Now, which is out now on Spotify and iTunes and everywhere that you listen to music. So you should definitely check that out. They created the the album during their time off the road last year in 2020. And it's got some major vibes. Like it's so different, but um, really speaks to the times. And that's exactly what we dropped into today. It This episode went so many different directions and I didn't, didn't really know where we were actually gonna go with this because I knew that um, Drew was gonna be talking on some other podcasts about probably the creation of the album and what that was like. And on the Limitless Soul podcast, I like to do things just a little different, just a little bit. And I like to go a little deeper. I want to hear about the person behind the music. I want to hear about the experiences and the struggles and the triumphs and um, the navigation of this spiritual path and all of its rainbow colors and experiences that come along the way. So... Um, Drew is a father and a husband. I almost said wife. I meant husband. He is a husband. And they live in Montana, out in the mountains. And he said that that's where he's finding his peace and that's where he's finding his connection is in nature. And I can totally relate being a, a Michigan person up here. And when I asked Drew uh, what he wanted to talk about today... <laughs> on this episode. He's like, I'm an open book. Ask me anything. Let's go. Let's do this. And so I, I kind of came with it. I came with it. And we talked about uh, healing toxic masculinity. This is actually probably the most masculine episode that I've ever done. And I told y'all when I started this season, I want lots of different points of view. I want to hear people's truths. I want to hear differences of opinions whether, you know, we all agree or not, that's part of the reason I wanted to have Drew on is because he got himself into a little situation where he had um, a conversation with someone on his podcast that not everybody agreed with his opinions. And I really think we need to move beyond this, right? Like move into a space where we can all hear each other without judging so immediately right? Of course, if it has to do with hate or, you know, just something vile against another person, but we all have different lived experiences 
gosh, we all have different lived experiences. And I really believe that if we're going to be able to to discern and if you're listening to this, it's in the spiritual category and it's called limitless soul. So I'm, my guess is you are a human being who's interested on living in a different frequency than the surface level of what it means to be a human. And in all of those depths and in intricate spaces is learning how to be present with other people's voices and opinions and discern for ourselves instead of being, you know, programmed by one narrative. And so uh, we talked a lot about that, like what that experience was like for him to really speak up and say what he believes in, if even if it's not popular to his listeners, which being a public figure, even having this podcast is like, how far can you go and truly be yourself until there's people who want to attack you because maybe it's not exactly how they think. And, you know, it takes some really grounded um, roots into your own beliefs to really go there. And so I was just really, really loved this conversation where Drew really opened up and talked about um, what's important to him and how that impacts his music. And I think that it absolutely shines through and you can feel it when you listen to it, that there's a raw realness to it. And uh, <laughs> I just think it's really funny because on this episode, he had a black eye and um, does jujitsu and told me that that's his version of yoga. And you know what? I think that's cool. You know, whatever gets you there, whatever gets you to that highest place. So, hey, tune in to this episode with Drew McManus from the band Set Song. You can check out their latest single, All Right Now, because it is all right now. It's all happening right now, and it is on, right? We are here. And I love hearing your point of view, and I love hearing your voice, seeing your face. So if you are tuning into these episodes, please in some way, shape, or form, reach out to us, whether that's a DM through Limitless Soul Life on Instagram, you're dropping us an email, you're sending us a message, maybe you're taking a video sharing what you like about the episode, or you are dropping a, a picture in your Instagram and tagging us so that we can reshare you and see who you are because we love all of you who listen to the show and we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode. Welcome, Drew, to the Limitless Soul Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing well. I'm a little cold. I live in Michigan. I know you're in Montana. It says Montana yeah. right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, this is kind of a fun little thing to do in the middle of winter up here. Um, yeah, for su sure. Super excited to have you on today. Uh, I know you got a new album coming out, a new single that's just dropped. So super pumped. I'm a big fan of your music. Uh, excited to hear the rest of what's to come. And I'm, I'm excited to drop in today, see where this takes us. Yeah, likewise. I've got a bunch of questions here, but we'll just kind of see where it goes. Um, I was inspired to have you on this podcast. I've been a big fan of your music for a long time, obviously. Your music is amazing, and I love how you, you blend your your journey and experience. But I'm also, it's interesting how 2020 brought a lot of musicians out of their comfort zone to, like, start talking about <laughs> things you care about and, like, your own personal experiences because you're not on the road and traveling yeah. and doing your regular thing. So what, what has that been like for you? Like, how are you, you know, getting that creativity out? without um your regular routine well for me it's been a really huge blessing you know i actually was had a had a bit of a um you know a mild identity crisis for a minute there because um you know when you're when you're an artist um and touring you know uh 99 of my 
conversations or, or about my art and everywhere I go, I'm being related to through my art, you know, a lot of which was written a long time ago, but there's not a whole lot of separation between you as an individual and you as an artist. They're, they're kind of one and the same, which is a really beautiful union. Um, but when the, when the plug got pulled on, on touring, I kind of had this thing of like, well, fuck, what am I then if I'm not on stage? Um, and, you know, I started, um, I, I had started therapy before COVID started, but it got real thick soon after. Um, and I just started digging into shit that I, th that I thought that I had already worked through, uh, that it turned out that I hadn't. Um, Isn't that fun? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, no. it, it had, it had its ease and flows, but, um, what was really special for me was just getting back to the, to the mountains. You know, I, before music happened, I was just a dirt bag. You know, I, in the summers I rock climbed and fly fished and in the, in the winters I skied and you know, my job was in the winter I worked on the mountain and in the off season I worked at a gear store. Um, so, um, you know, I had a whole summer uh, back in Red Lodge, which I haven't had in about five years, you know, so I just went back to the mountains and got out on the river a bunch and um, kind of, you know, reintroduced myself to the man that I am now outside of music. And um, it birthed a really cool record. But uh, above that, I'm in a better place with my wife and kids and everyone in my life than I've ever been. So for me, it, it's been a huge blessing. Yeah, it. I think that it's kind of like a common theme amongst a lot of like artists and creatives at this time, even though it's been really hard and sad and deep and dark. It's also given us so much time to reflect and sit with like, what is important in this life? Like, what do I really want to do? What do I really want to say? How do I really want to forge forward? Because um, even though like art can be so beautiful and expressive, it's like, it evolves. And sometimes I feel like I'm a hairdresser. So I totally feel you. I was, I had to close my salon for three months and couldn't work. And that's been real weird being back. Um, but you know, as we go through this time, it's like starting to unearth, like what really is important. And mm -hmm. I was really curious about some of the things that have come up for you that maybe you didn't know you cared so much about that you care about now after like you know fly fishing and sitting by the sunset and just chilling <laughs> like what came up for you that was there well you know for me i'm a i'm a i'm a severe workaholic you know um so if i'm being honest you know my whole life um with satsung it's been all encompassing you know it wasn't until i sat down at a therapy session with my wife and the therapist said, tell me about yourself. And I literally started my life story with when Satsung started touring and she just kind of let me ramble for a while and then was like, cool, I'm not, you know, we're not here to talk about your work. I don't, you know, and I was just like, oh shit. Um, so, you know, for me, it was digging through a lot of shit in the past, you know, I had a pretty rough childhood and, and digging through those traumas. Um, but really just putting a lot of, a lot more value in, in, into me as a human being and not me as an artist. You know, the mm -hmm. artist will always be there. It's deep, deep, it's deep in me. You know, that's what I am, but it's not always who I am, you know? So, so putting a lot more emphasis on what can I do to be the best husband that I can be? What can I do to be the best dad that I can be? Not how can I continue to grow my brand and sell more tickets and sell more records? You know, and that that to me has been been huge because I always thought I was doing that work, but I was doing it very half-assed, you know, because 80% of my focus was always on this thing, you know, and I'm also just kind of blessed to be in a place where Satsung's doing its thing, whether I'm kicking the ball or not, you know, people are sharing the music and listening to the music, having experiences with the music you know, and, and getting rid of this idea that I have to be constantly pushing and forcing and that it's, that it's taken on a life of its own and that I can just focus on being a good man, 
you know, not just being a good business person and artist. That's really beautiful. That's a yeah, really thanks. nice revelation. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's something I was interested in chatting about is like, you know, you're a husband and you have, do you have one child? No, we got, we got, I have three step kids, but I've been with them for 11 years and their dad has never been in the picture. Um, yeah. And then we have a little baby. Yeah. So we have uh, a three-year-old, a 14-year-old, 16-year-old, and a 20-year-old. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, so I'm not quite in that realm yet, but well, yeah, enjoy them before they turn into teenagers. It's a I whole know. different monster. I just like went down <laughs> on my iPhone. I just went down memory lane today watching videos of them in like 2019 and stuff. And they look like so tiny. Like, oh, my mm -hmm. God. They're little shredders, though. They snowboard. We're going out to Utah. and That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, my that's husband, that's my husband's in the um, ski patrol uh, training right now. He wants to move to Montana. He like wants to be in Montana or like Jackson hole or like somewhere far, far away from people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Check out Driggs. Driggs, Idaho Driggs. is real cool too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. He's a firefighter now. So he's like planning his like 10 year escape. Yeah. To the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good place to be. There's, um, you know, that, I think that's the other thing that, that's been, that's made all this shit a lot easier for me is, you know, Trevor said to me one time, my, my drummer had quit and my agent dropped me in the same week. And I called Trevor crying. Just hysterical. Trevor Hall. Yeah. And he goes, bro, <laughs> it's really important sometimes to remember that a mountain is still a mountain and a river is still a river. And at the time I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And it's so funny. Um, I come back to it so often and um, whether it's fucking politics or, you know, people going crazy or whatever the fuck it is, I have this amazing blessing to be able to go two miles that way. And I'm in the middle of the wilderness, you know, and, and it's a, it's a connection that a lot of people don't have. And there's a humbling that happens where you just realize like, we think all of this is going on, but really all of this is going on. Animals are foraging for food. Predators are hunting the foragers. The river's flowing. Tectonic plates are colliding. Snow <laughs> is falling. There's all this shit that's happening that's yeah. that's real. And then there's all of this shit that's happening that's perceived and self-imposed. Um, so I've been trying to tap a lot more into that than the, than the craziness of the, human interaction. I call it the blah, blah. Uh-huh. When I don't know what to call it, because it just has no name that has no name. I'm like, you know, the blah, blah, the blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, stuff. it's really easy to get caught up in the blah, blah, <laughs> you know, especially when you live in a city or something, you know, all you're, yeah. you're just surrounded by the blah, blah. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a beautiful legacy to leave for your kids, though, is being connected with nature and being having an understanding of what is important. Me and my husband talk about this all the time with our kids because uh, most of my friends don't have kids. I'm 34 and they're like, mm -hmm. ah, ah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't blame them because it's scary. It's so scary. Like you have to raise these people and going and doing your own healing and doing your own work. You're like, oh my God, I, I've had to, I love my parents. They're amazing. Bless them. But I had to do so much work to do stuff that has been between us or whatever. And I'm like, man, mm -hmm. if you don't deal with it, it's just going to keep getting passed along. And I think yeah. returning to that nature element, returning to um, connecting with what really is important is so beautiful to see them absorbing that. And automatically, like I always say, like there is hope. Everyone calm down. Like there's hope for the future because the, there's so many of us. There's so many people that are doing good things and really beautiful things and, and amazing soul nurturing things that is getting passed on to the kids. It's getting passed on to the next generation. And I think that they're already starting to get the dynamics of it. Like they're already starting to understand like unity. They're already understanding like the importance of conserving nature and, and like, they're like, mom, don't use that plastic bag. And like, mm -hmm. they're, they're like, Hey, so like, I really think there is hope. And that's really cool that, you know, you're passing that on, on to the kids. Um, but, you know, in your own, in your own journey, like, what are some of the things that 
came up for you that were really hard to like, you know, those things that you kept coming back to during this time? I know I can think of like a million of mine that that keep coming up that, um, you know, we're reminded by nature. Okay, like mm-hmm. this isn't as important as I think it is. This isn't as dramatic as I think it is. Yeah, you know, a, a, a big one for me was, you know, I, I grew up not having much and in a real uh, abusive childhood. Um, you know, violence was was a part of my life inside and outside the house. It was just always around, you know. And, um, you know, the only person that ever validated, you know, there there's just times that, I'll share stories with with friends of mine with people close to me. And they're just like, what the fuck, man? And, you know, I forever would just have these second takes like, dude, did I just envision this whole thing? Like, did that not really happen? And and the mirror for me has always been my big brother of going back and be like, yo, dude, was our childhood as fucked as I remember it being? He's like, oh yeah, bro. (laughs) Every bit, (laughs) you know? And, but one thing I had never gotten was, you know, my mom never protected us from it. You know, she remarried a man that, that, that kicked the shit out of me and my brother every day for drill. And, and anytime it was brought up as an adult, she'd quickly kind of change the sh- subject or shrug it off. And and then my real dad, you know, who I love so dearly, we would go visit him, you know, and I remember just crying and it's like all the way up to 13, 14 years old, breaking down and hysterically crying and just being like, man, you can't fucking let me go back there. Like I've told you everything that's happening. Like you can't let me go back there. But for me, because I became, you know, in my opinion, successful, I'm able to feed my family and pay my bills uh, with my art. I had kind of pushed a lot of it off of just like, well, it doesn't fucking matter. I made it. And, um, you know, a lot of the work that I had to do was, was realizing that those wounds were still there. And that they needed acknowledged, not by me, but but by my folks. And um, so that was a really, a really weird process. Um, and you know, it, it, it's really hard. I'm not really one to go sift through old shit. You know, it's not really in my nature. I'm I'm always looking forward. Um, so it was a really weird thing. But in that work, you know, I, you start to realize tendencies and personality traits that you have. Um, and, and me just getting real with a lot of those, you know, and, and what PTSD really looks like and, um, you know, how it affects my day-to-day life of, you know, when your prefrontal cortex is formed under the constant threat of violence, your brain gets rather weird, you know, so, so just trying to undo some of that shit. And it was, it was a, it was a long process. Um, but I feel so much lighter having, having done it, but that's kind of the that's kind of the MO of self-work. It's really hard, but then you get through it and, you know, you feel 20 you feel pounds lighter, lighter. You feel yeah. lighter and ready for the next one. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's been crazy stuff. Is jujitsu, is you're a jujitsu artist. Is that a right way to say it? Like, yeah, well, I do that and I do some Muay Thai. So I trained at a, a mixed martial arts gym where we have, um, I don't know. You ever watch the UFC? I mean, not really like really make, I'm like super empathic. So I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I can like feel the pain and I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. So, uh, that's what we do. Um, is we're a mixed martial arts gym. So we do everything we do, you know, Muay Thai, kickboxing, wrestling, jujitsu, which really now I get, we just kind of call it submission grappling just because there's so many different, different aspects of grappling that have all kind of come together to form what, what submission grappling is now. But, um, yeah, I love to fight. Um, I get, I get something from it that, um, I, I think whatever people get from, from yoga and meditation, that like mind body connection, mm-hmm. um, and that, um, separation, from the outside world where you're just so engulfed in what you're doing that you're just so present. Uh, and that's what I get from it. And I know from the outside, it looks like a, a pretty gnarly thing to, to punch and kick people in the face and body and choke people. Um, 
but for me, it served me in a really beautiful way. It's a, it's a huge, huge part of my life. I love to train. I love to coach. Um, yeah, you know, the gym is a, the grindhouse is a huge, huge part of my life. That's interesting that you said, do you watch Marvel movies? Are you a movie person? No, you know, my, no, my attention span is so fucking small. It's so hard for me to get through a movie. I just like went way down the rabbit hole of like Iron Man and like Mm -hmm. Captain America and this whole situation. And it's so funny to hear you talk about jujitsu as like being a present moment experience and, and like having like a spiritual experience in like, you know, like combat because there's it when watching all these movies, I've. I've gone way too existential with them because I'm like, oh, they're a transformation and like, you know, this whole experience of these characters. Mm-hmm. But they're all like, you know, it's all this duality, like good, bad. Who's I'm like, who's the bad one? Who's the good one? And but they're using all of this like, you know, interaction and, and protection, right? This like root level like experience in the body to to like protect the what's sacred for like the whole and I'm kind of I don't know I just like kind of went there with thinking about this like jujitsu concept of that like feeling in the body of yeah I think you know for me a huge part of it is yeah I mean like you just said it's a very primal thing uh fighting has been a part of culture since we've been walking upright um consensual fighting I mean you know it's the oldest sport in the world um but there's something happens when you train all of the time, you you know, you're pushed to these extremes, you know, it's really hard when you start because it's like learning a new language and most people come in thinking they already know how to speak that language and you find out you don't know shit, you know? So there's this really hard learning curve, mm-hmm. but you're only going to get to here if you go through all of this. Um, but there's injuries, there's, um, you know, there's these physical breaks that happen, these mental breaks that happen, um, where you learn so much about yourself. And I don't know, I just don't know of any other path that, that teaches you as much about yourself, you know, um, and, and, and just deep brotherhood that, that forms with the people that you train with, you know, there's, 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 you know, the only thing more intimate than fighting another person is, is sex. So <laughs> there's this weird thing that happens when you have this. Well, like pain this, and pleasure. It's like they're intrinsic to each other. Yeah. And there's this thing too, where you have your close, close brothers, you know, and you're inflicting pain on one another, not with the intention to hurt the other person, but with the intention of you both getting better. And the pain is just kind of a byproduct. We're never trying to hurt each other. It's just the name of the game. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's just given me so much. And, and really, oddly enough, what it's given me is it's given me a huge sense of empathy uh, for people. You know, I see, um, you know, you're constantly working through shit in the gym. And, um, you know, I see it when I'm teaching a class, you'll see someone that's not really paying attention. It's like, oh, he had a fight with his wife or something, you know, he's he's out here. He's not in here. And, mm. um, you know, I you see people, particularly men, right? You hear that term toxic masculinity. I was just about, this is the most yeah. max everyone listening right now. What's up? Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this. This is like the most so, masculine. I'm like, raw. <laughs> so but I love it. When, when I think of toxic masculinity, I think of dudes that um, that are real insecure, hmm. you know, and they express that insecurity by trying to assert power over people weaker than them, hmm. rather than seeking out people stronger than them to learn from that strength, hmm. you know, so they take it out on women and they belittle people smaller than them. Mm-hmm. So these toxic traits come out, whereas most of the fighters that I know are the most well-adjusted men I've ever met. You know, you become pretty secure when you know, you know how to fight. You don't really posture much you know, cause it's just a thing that's sitting back here. It's just like, I'm not walking around the world wondering if I can write a song cause I've written a shitload of songs, you know? So it's this, it's kind of the same thing. And, um, I think so much of those toxic, toxic masculine traits that we, that we see and talk about come from people that are really insecure. You know, when we talk about sexual assault and stuff like that, I mean, like how insecure and, and, and small do you have to feel to, uh, to seek out feeling big in, in such a sick way, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, it's just been so... And I don't know how prevalent versus like not it is, but it seems as though from a woman's perspective that there's so much of it, that there's so much of this insecurity in like in in men, but women too. Like we experience it in different ways and express it differently. Yeah. Express differently. Like the insecurity is all there. And like the, part of the reason I even started this podcast as a hairdresser to other hairdressers. And now it's expanded to like whoever, whoever wants to come and hang out with us is like this, this knowing that I had that the expansion of consciousness has to happen on like a public conversational way. Mm-hmm. And, and people hearing things like this and having conversations like this is sparking something in other people that's that's going, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, and then starting other conversations. Like my hope with this podcast always is like somebody might hear something from this and then start talking about it with someone else. And then that yeah. person starts talking about it with somebody else. And all of a sudden we've created like a really positive, open-minded conversation and maybe you don't agree with everything that somebody says or maybe their opinion or perspective lived experience is different but it's given you exactly that like some empathy and a perspective yeah you see people you know i especially see it in men you know when i see posturing and and just certain personality traits i you know i I, my heart just kind of breaks for him a little bit i said man you know i just there's medicine for you if you want what's, it. What's posturing? Can you just explain that to us? Like, um, you know, you see, you see dudes that belittle other people or, well, you know, are mean to their wife or the girl that they're with or cat call women or, mm-hmm. you know, these, these loud boisterous things to fucking, I'm a man and watch this. I'm going to yell nice ass at this stranger and like no sort of concept of, uh, you know, that they're walking through a glass shop and that knocking shit over that someone's going to have to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just see a lot of wounded men out there that just have no idea how to, how to tap into what masculinity is. And I think, you know, growing up, we're not really given, given many uh, examples of what healthy masculinity is, right? There's like the warrior path, uh, you know, there's being a good fighter, there's being uh, a really good dad, there's being a good husband. And, you know, if you're an artist, you're kind of a sissy. And if you're this and <laughs> what I've really found is that where the power comes from is saying, no, I'm going to be all of these things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a great fighter, but I'm also going to tell my kids I love them 50 times a day. I'm going to kiss my wife all the time. I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. that it's actually probably the coolest, most empowering masculine thing you can do to be a total badass, but also be really vulnerable and be able to cry and be able to be sensitive that like, that's the superpower, you know, mm-hmm. is to be all of the things, not just pick one. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. That's that my, good. that's my MO. I love you know? it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, okay. So kind of in that vein, like what do you, how, what are your thoughts and feelings on cancel culture? right now, especially with, I mean, there's been so much in the last couple of years because we have such public lives now and everything's on the internet and everybody knows everything about everything. And, you know, on a spiritual path and as you're, you know, forgiving yourself and moving forward and trying to heal and be a better person than you were yesterday, what are your thoughts and feelings on like the cancellation of, other humans for Um, living, you know, having their life experience. And well, well, I, I, I think it depends on the, on the gravity of the situation, right? Like, I think like a, like a guy like Harvey Weinstein, you know, I think it should be publicly hung. Um, But when we're pulling things from people's past and there are these people that will dig and dig and dig to find something, we're pulling something so far back from someone, um, you know, that they did when they weren't the person they are now. Um, you know, that's troublesome. But my biggest fear with it is, 
you know, the internet is just not a safe place to have a fair shake. Um, and when we're, you know, like what I just experienced, it, these what motherfuckers did, what will did, have, what did you experience? Okay. So I had, uh, I had JP Sears on the podcast, um, who's recently made a lot of controversial content just about, uh, about COVID and, and him just kind of being forthright about being a conservative. And, um, to me, when I've see JP and we have a lot of mutual friends too, which is kind of how we connected. Um, I see a really sweet, uh, caring, self-aware man. I don't see this controversial, mean hearted person that wants everyone to get COVID and die. I see a dude that, that believes what he believes and believes in it strong enough to use this platform to share that information. And, and, and we can't make sharing ideas controversial because the thought economy will decide what are good ideas and bad ideas. Right. <laughs> um, and if you don't like what somebody's saying, don't fucking listen to him. That's the end of it. And I had JP on the podcast and um, a group of people were, were, were pretty angry about it. And what followed was a lot of messages and comments and separate Facebook threads of, you know, people defaming me as a man, you know, uh, it's talking about my family and, uh, you know, saying that I was a rape sympathizer and I wanted old people to die. And, uh, someone called me anti-Semitic which is hilarious because I'm, my manager is Jewish. My drummer is Jewish. My publicist is Jewish. Um, and I think my publicist is Jewish, safe bet. But regardless, my manager, who's my best friend is Jewish. My drummer, one of my best friends, Jewish. I'm like, so where it becomes dangerous is when we are, are, are trying to hurt somebody because they don't think like us. That to me is just the silliest fucking thing in the world. Um, it, like I said, if you don't like someone's ideas, don't listen to them. And um, the thing that was was really interesting for me was how hurt I got from it because mm-hmm. all of these people I didn't know or some that I kind of knew were saying these terrible things about me and it was really hurting my feelings. And I was like, but I didn't do anything wrong. Like this is all because I had a conversation <laughs> with somebody. You know, I didn't say, hey, I have JP Sears on the podcast today. I agree with everything he's ever said. I actually said on multiple occasions during the podcast that I didn't agree with a lot of the shit that he said, um, but that I just still respected him. Yeah, so I think where it gets dangerous is when we're trying to cancel people because they don't think like us. That's just such, I just don't understand that because me, by nature, I'm a critical thinker. So if I think one thing about something and you think differently, uh, my instinct isn't to say, well, you shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear from you. It's go, okay, well, let's get our notebooks out and let's compare notes here and let's see. (laughs) You might know some shit I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it's scary. Curiosity. Like, I think there's a lack of curiosity about other other people's um, point of view. Because... Like kind of coming back to my Marvel concept, because I don't know, I'm stuck there right now. Like I'm totally in it. (laughs) Like all the spiritual books, just put them away. I just want to watch Marvel movies. It's like (laughs) we're so stuck in like this right and wrong. And we're and it's like as we're for me, at least like understanding duality has been such a mind conundrum because I'm like always trying to figure things out. But I'm like, we have to have duality in this world or else we will lose discernment. We will literally lose the ability to understand what is good for us in our own like moment to moment experience. And I was really, I I loved listening to that episode actually, because I, I too am a critical thinker. I'm a Capricorn. I'm like, let me just observe everything and rip it apart. But, um, I think it's so refreshing but it's also really hard out out there like what you've experienced is you say you know you you didn't I know you listen I listen to it you're like I don't agree with everything but I'm interested I would like to hear a different point of view and at the same time I feel like I'm hearing that that's what everyone's wanting but then when it appears it's shut down 
Well, it's, it's because it's, a it's because confusing. I think the reason is is because you have friend groups and circles and things like that where it's like, well, shit. If I say that I listen to you know uh, a Ben Shapiro podcast because I was curious what he had to say, then people will think I'm a member of the alt right and I might lose my friends and my career and oh shit, then I'm really in trouble. So the culture, we've done it to ourselves and, and we've set up culture in such a way now that social media interaction is becoming more important than human interaction. So things aren't nuanced anymore. You know, it's, um, it, it's all encompassing, you know, mm -hmm. and this, uh, you know, I live in Montana, which is a pretty conservative state. And I too, both, you know, when Trump was elected was like, who in the fuck would vote for this guy? what like it just it made it made absolutely zero sense to me and i was angry and i went through the whole thing too where i was like dude if you're a trump supporter fuck you there's nothing you can tell me that's going to make that make sense and then i started asking people that voted for trump like all right dude how could you vote for this guy well mm -hmm. okay well you know hillary clinton was our other choice and the clinton family has in, been involved in xyz they're deeply tied in with the epsteins uh, you know, here's all the corporate money that Hillary Clinton had taken. So I weighed these two candidates and I was like, okay, do I want a candidate that's funded by all these corporations that's a member of the Clinton family? Or do I vote for the fucking wild card? And I was like, oh, okay, well, I still, I just wrote in a third party, but I guess that's a way. Um, so it's like th this, this idea that if someone's a Trump supporter, they're a Nazi. Or if they're a Trump supporter, they hate women and black people. It's like things aren't that fucking simple. Now, I mm -hmm. never, ever, and under any circumstances, would vote for Donald Trump. I think he's a fucking buffoon. He is a, a an eight-year-old child in a grown man's body. But I'm not these other people. So I'm not going to reduce other people down to a keyhole of consciousness and say, well, if you did this, then it must mean this whole giant spectrum of evil things. It's mm -hmm. like, well, it might've just come down to one little thing for you, you know? Um, and I think that's what we got to quit doing. We got to quit painting each other with such broad brushes because things are mm -hmm. nuanced. Mm -hmm. There's small details in everything, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just a freaky time. You know, it's, it's like, freaky. I, it's you know, I think, of, I think weird. of it all the time of like growing up, you know, if someone was as heavily tattooed as me, you know, it was assumed you were a terrible person. Like that mm -hmm. dude's a criminal. That's a mm -hmm. scary, scary person, you know? So it's, um, you know, it's that kind of thinking, but it, it's disguised as hip, uh, liberal, woke consciousness that like, yeah, we're out here doing God's work, you know, we're outing people. And it's like, no, dude, you're ruining people's lives is what you're doing. And, um, you know, a friend of mine shared something really interesting that gave me this big aha. And this was actually the moment that I kind of let go of all of the, the, the shit that I had gotten. There's a, there's a, an endorphin release that happens when you stand up to somebody. And typically uh, that endorphin release happens because say I'm standing up to a bully. Okay. I'm standing up to this bully and he backs down, right. Or he goes away. That endorphin release happens because there was a threat of danger there, right? Mm -hmm. The bully could have snapped and punched me in my mouth. And what Facebook and Instagram and these different social platforms have done is they've given you the same endorphin release without the danger, right? Mm -hmm. So I can say whatever I want to you because I'm a thousand miles from you. You're never going to find me. I'm behind a screen. So I can say these really dark, terrible, mean things to you. And I still get that endorphin rush. Like I got him. I got his mm -hmm. ass but there's no real threat there. So you didn't do anything noble or brave. You're actually a coward, you know, mm. but our culture feeds off that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so interesting because a lot of the people have been talking about like, you know, the tower card and everything's falling apart so we can be rebuilt. And I'm like, where are we in this process? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Like what, can somebody just explain to me like where we are in this? Because I'm feeling like a little confused and, but you know, at the end of the day, like you said, it's kind of like in my, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we just need to take a step back and observe 
I think just taking it back to observing and like a lot of my teachings came from um, equanimity, the teachings of equanimity and like being unaffected by everything around you so that you're able to just observe and experience and witness and then make the best choice based on whatever is coming your way. Doesn't mean you can't be mad. Doesn't mean you can't be angry, whatever. Um, So that we can just see what we think for ourselves, like come back to thinking for ourselves. And I'm hoping. What an idea. Right. Like I'm hoping like my prayer, my wish, my like just everything is that, you know, we can start coming back to thinking for ourselves and hopefully conversations like this. If you're listening to us still, thanks for being here um, to just be inspired to like dig a little deeper, ask ourselves, is this me or is this someone else influencing me? Right. So, yeah, and I think I think there's a thing, too, of not assuming the worst in people, but rather assuming the best. You know, I tr- up until COVID, I traveled for a living. Mm-hmm. And I have met, for every bad person I've met, I've met a thousand good ones mm-hmm. all over the country. Um, you know, I used to have this thing with the South. I had this whole perception of what the South was going to be like. Can't wait to go back. Wasn't anything that I thought it was. The most well-mannered, sweetest people, more mixed race friends groups than anywhere else in the country. Um, so I think it's letting go of perceptions and assuming that people are genuinely good because they are, yeah. you know, and it's that group think that mess- messes everything up. It's like you're saying, it's when people aren't thinking for themselves, but they're like, oh, well, what would my friends want me to say right now? You know? Yeah. Well, I hope you keep speaking your truth. And I, I love listening to your podcast. I'm excited to dive a little deeper into that and hear like you talk about your your point of view. I think it's really interesting. Um, how does that make you feel like being an artist and putting out music? Do, do you get a little nervous that like, I know that for a while they're like, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. And some people are like telling Eddie Vedder, like, stop talking about politics. I'm like, you're ruining the music. And like, does that make you a little nervous at all? Or are you like, screw it, fuck it. Just I'm doing saying whatever I want. And I'm like, you're just kind of in like a guarded bubble of like, you know, knowing that what's coming through is not reactive. And it's just your, your truth. Yeah. You know, for me, um, I know myself better now than I ever have in my entire life. Uh, I know who I am and I know what my values are. I know how I treat people. Um, So I don't, it's hard for me to fear anybody anymore, you know, and I'm definitely not going to let people tell me what I am because I know who I am and the people close to me know who I am. And I would like to think, and maybe it's foolish, but I'd like to think that, if I'm in the constant pursuit of being a better parent, a better husband, a better artist, and a more compassionate man, that the universe will conspire with me and not against me. Um, so I put all my faith in that. And and at the end of the day, like I said, if you don't like what I have to say or if you don't like my music, there's nobody holding a gun to you. Right. You don't have to, you know, fucking – Turn me off, you know, yeah, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm never trying to be controversial. You know, I, I'm uh, Jordan Peterson says we have to let our sword and shield be the truth. Mm. You know, so anything I do is in the pursuit of truth and greater understanding. It's never to hurt anybody. My intention is never to harm anybody. So again, you know, with that, I, I just think um, that I, that I, I can't really care what anybody is, has to say about it because I know what I'm doing and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to cause anybody harm. I'm not, you know, my, my goal here isn't to piss people off, you know, and there, yeah. there are people out there like that. Ben Shapiro is a great example. Right? Yeah. yeah. Where, where that's where a lot of these guys lose me, where I think they're great thinkers, but uh, a lot of these political personalities, that's their whole thing is being mean, you know, and belittling people. And, well, they have and to keep just, staying being heard. Mm-hmm. They've like like if they lose the polarization of being heard, they've like lost the audience. Where if you're an artist and you you you're feeling something behind it, you're captivated. Like you want to just keep coming back. So. Yeah, I'm leading. I'm leading with my heart, and and that's it. You know, and I think my heart's pretty good. Um, so I just trust I think that. So too. Hey, well, thanks. I love this conversation. It was really great. I had no idea where we were going to go with it. It all happened really quickly, but <laughs> I'm really glad it did. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. So I have just a couple of last questions. This is kind of like our fun little game. I'm going to do cool. like a little boil it down so you give me a one-word answer okay. to my, my questions. Okay. Are you a sunrise or sunset person? Sunrise. 
travel or stay home? Mm, stay mm. home. Really? Yeah. You became a stay at home? Yeah. I mean, I travel, you know, I love to travel and I love to play music and stuff like that, but I, I love where I live. I love, I live in the most beautiful place in the world. Okay. You invite three people to a dinner party, dead or alive. Who's at your table? Tupac, Jordan Peterson, um, Malcolm X. Ooh, this is fun. Movie or show or not? Show. I like documentaries. Dance or are you watching? Are you like a are you like a chair dancer or are you like on the dance floor? I'm a dancer. You're a dancer, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun one. Yeah. Walk or run? Run. Favorite food? Ramen. Really? Not like not like shitty ramen, like <laughs> traditional Japanese ramen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's simple. Yeah. Okay. Most nostalgic smell. Like what mm. just takes you there? Cedar. Ocean or mountains? Mountains. Okay. In my house, if you cook, you don't clean. And if you clean, you don't have to cook. What are you? Are you a cook uh, or a clean? I do both. You do both? What? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky wife. <laughs> All right. This is the last one. In one word, what is your intention for 2021? Growth. Growth. Love it. Beautiful. And I will add one more. What makes your soul feel limitless? Mm. Um, the mountains. Yeah. Being in the mountains. Yeah. Final answer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being You're in like, the mountains. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It. That's it. That's my compass. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Drew. This was lovely. You're awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Can't wait to hear the new album. Um, your first song is out right now, right? Um, no, it drops on Thursday. The first single Thursday. from the new record drops Thursday. Yep. Thursday. So that'll be February something. 11th at midnight. Cool. I'll be sure to put that out. Everybody go listen to that song. Awesome music. Love it. I love everything. I listened to the whole Sugar Shack live today and getting pumped. Awesome. Like, yes. Love it. So awesome. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, you too. <laughs>